G'day friends, welcome back. Uh, now before I get into it, I am fighting off a little bit of a cold, if you can't tell. Uh, so if I sound a bit fucked, I do apologise, but we're going to do this podcast. Let's get into it. Also, I am going to get to the Stuart Juice stuff. I put up a post yesterday uh, sort of outlining my feelings on the topic, and I'm going to uh, get into more of that today when I get to the uh, the Gold Coast game. First up, though, let's talk about Essendon and Adelaide. This is a pretty fun game to watch. This is all right. Very, very high scoring, very fast, very open. i got whiplash watching this game. He's going back and forth and back and forth. Um, Adelaide weren't really interested in defending in this game. Essendon weren't super interested in it either, um, but Adelaide especially, I don't think they were mentally prepared for this game. And look, it, pl- it plays, again, more into their inability to travel well. Um, it's something they've struggled with a lot this year and a lot in the past. It's hard to do. It's hard to travel and win, especially when you're playing a good team. Um, but gee, they had to be a little bit better than they were. Like, they... they like, they've allowed Essendon to kick 17 goals. Yeah, they've kicked 15 themselves. But that first quarter, the first half, um, mostly was just way out of Adelaide's control. Totally not in the game at all. So it's taken them a half to sort of switch on. And they've switched on way too late. So, um, you know, that is the next step that Adelaide need to take. Um, if they're going to, you know, be contending in the next few years, that's the next step is playing well away from home. You don't have to win all the time away from home, but if you can split your away games, win half of your away games, you, you'll you play finals. <laughs> like, really, is is how it's going to go. And now losing this game, their final spot is uh, in jeopardy. I don't know who they've got on their run home. I know there's a showdown in there. That'll be a really interesting game, given they won the showdown earlier in the year. Um, but they've made it a little bit harder for themselves. Now, when they, you know, if they'd brought their best, they probably could have beat... Essendon, you would have thought. Um, but Essendon were fantastic. That has to be said. They were excellent. Um, their ability to score, their ability to defend at times was fantastic. Um, Merritt is having an unbelievable year. Probably top three player in the comp. Top five at least. Um, having a brilliant year. His first year as captain. Something the Crows probably should have, you know gone with was a run with role on Merritt. You've got Keys there, who's done that in the past, can play that role. Merritt, having been as dangerous as he's been for most of the year, like you would think when you have it, not, not every team's got that player who can tag, right? But Adelaide have, and he's pretty good at it. Um, So yeah, like, and look, yeah, he does have his own role that he is meant to be doing week to week. But, you know, when you when the opposition player has a top five player in the competition, 
you try and do your best to limit their impact. And Merritt was fantastic. So hindsight is everything, but um, you would have thought it would have been a good idea for the Crows to send keys to Merritt. Um, what I think has been most impressive about Essendon just this year in general is they seem to be improving. Like they were pretty good at the start of the year and they've just very slowly just gotten a little bit better and better. I've felt like they've had their dips. Like no, no team is fantastic for the entire year. So they've had times where they've been worse and times where they've been better. But average, it feels like they're improving. And it, it feels like they're sort of mid-tier players are the ones who have really lifted their game. Like it's guys like Durham, um, Guelphie. Like Guelphie was top three in the best and fairest last year, but he's still playing really good football. Langford. Who would have thought Langford could become this unbelievable, like, sort of undersized key defender or uh, key defender, key forward, I should say. He's been fantastic up forward this year. He's been excellent. Really, really hard matchup because he is a little, like, he's a little bit small for a key forward. Like, I don't even think he'd be 195, um, which makes him really mobile. So he's an extremely dangerous forward. Um, and Heppel as well is another one, like, you know, you wouldn't really, I don't think across his career class him as a mid tier player, but the last couple of years he has been, um, and this year is really, there's really been an improvement in the ex captain. Like you can see he started off pretty, pretty rough. He had a rough year last year, um, as the club did, but he's really improved this year playing, uh, mostly half back. So yeah, another, another player who's really lifted their game and thus the whole team around them has lifted. And and another obvious one is Nick Martin. I don't even want you to classify him as because he's basically been a gun since his first game where he kicked five goals. Um, he's probably going to find himself on a wing in the All-Australian side. So yeah, Essendon are, are doing brilliantly at the moment. Um, and I got, you know, uh, my big call is around them. So stay tuned until the very end of the pod. Okay, let's go to Brisbane and West Coast. Two 81-point victories in a row for Brisbane. Don't know how many times before that would have happened. Um, Very, very good win. It was interesting hearing the commentary around it post-game. You know, I was listening to it on the radio on the car, and that that was, you know, the commentators were saying that Brisbane probably could have gone a bit harder. They probably could have won by more. Um, I think 81 points is pretty good. I don't know. Like, yeah, like Brisbane at their best against this West Coast side can probably win by more than 100 points, but they don't need to. They don't need to. They're two games clear of fourth now. Um, they didn't They didn't need to, you know, win by heaps, you know, if, if and their percentage is better than Port Adelaide's anyway. So if at some point they are going to jump Port Adelaide, it'll... it'll um, their percentage doesn't matter enormously because Port Adelaide, it didn't need to take a bit for them to catch up in percentage, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, I thought it was the perfect kill. They didn't have to go at 100% Brisbane and risk maybe someone getting injured or you know anything like that happening. They just had to go at like 80% or so is probably what they were going at and just um, not give West Coast any kind of a sniff, put the game away early um, and then just cruise to a very comfortable win. Um, Gunston. How well did this whole thing work out, right? So he takes his three or four weeks off. Him and Rich, Rich yet to return to the side. Don't know if he does now, given how well their back six is going. Um, but yeah, Gunston, it's the rest 
worked beautifully for him. Six goals, two. That is a very, very good day out. That'd be his best game in quite a while. You know, even going back a few years now, I would guess. Um, But he was fantastic. And it wasn't... I don't think he kicked 6-2 because he was playing West Coast. I think he was just switched on, refreshed. This little mini preseason he's done just seems to have done him a world of good. Like, I think he would have played really well against any opposition. So um, that's a really big win for Brisbane um, heading towards September. Um, The Eagles, it seems like they're sort of learning how to lose a little bit better. So they're going into every game with a game plan. And like you compare it to a few weeks ago when Sydney belted them by 170 points, they really just stuck with what they were trying to do for the whole game. That's why the margin got out to where it did. When this margin started to blow out, it seemed like the Eagles were able to just do their best to do it, you know, which isn't, you know, this Eagles side cannot do a whole lot. They're very limited in their skills and their experience, but they did what they could to shut the game down. Um, so you know, it, that that is, oh, it's a very, very small thing to take away, but it's something. It's something that, you know, especially the young players in the team, because this Eagles side is going to lose a lot of games in the next probably two or three years. They're going to lose a lot. Um, and the young players are going to lose a lot of games early in their career. But learning how to minimize the devastation, I think, is really important. So that was that was just something um, that it seemed like they were able to do. Andrew Gaff. Andrew Gaff. Um, I've been talking a lot this year about, you know, what do the Eagles do in the offseason? How do they maximize this, this offseason? They need to understand where they're at, which is at the... They haven't even begun a rebuild yet. They're probably 12 months behind where they should be in their rebuild. So how do they go hard in this rebuild, but also not fuck the club for the next few years? They need to keep a little bit of experience, but also trade plenty of it out and maximize their draft hand. Yeah. And maybe if they can acquire a free agent, I don't know, something like that. But you look at who they've got that is tradable. There's a few, a, a lot of players you'd consider tradable and like to ha- having some worth have been injured, perpetually injured over the last couple of years. Um, but one player that I think is worth not heaps now, but worth something is Andrew Gaff. Six touches on the weekend. He, he played like a hundred minutes or so of the game. Six touches is unbelievable from one of their most experienced players one of the most talented players. Um, six disposals is unacceptable and unbelievable, honestly. Um, so, you know, you think about how good Andrew Gaff was at his best, probably, you know, four years ago, five years ago. Um, he was a fantastic player. He was one of the best kicks in the competition. He'd be 30 or 31 now, I would say. So he's only, he only have a couple of years left. But he could go to a club and and help in some way, you know, go to a developing club or, you know, maybe there's a club that's right on the verge of a premiership that just needs something. Maybe he goes to Melbourne. Maybe Melbourne just need a little bit something more um, to help them score more. I don't know. Um, you know, that that's the kind of player. And you look at his form in this team, like, what's he, what's he giving to this team? Like... What value 
is he adding to the Eagles for the next two years? None, I would say. So, you know, maybe you can maybe you can just get a second rounder for him. You know, especially if you go to somewhere like Melbourne. You know, do you want Andrew Gaff? Melbourne will have a late second rounder. I think that's pretty just just to bolster their draft hand. I don't know, but I just saw his game and I went, Jesus Christ. Six disposals from Andrew Gaff. It's just, oh, it's really, really poor. Um, let's go dogs and pies. Dogs and pies. I, I, I thought this was an excellent game. Um, and I thought the dogs were pretty good as well. Like, they've only lost by two goals in the end. Um, th- this is probably one of their better performances of the year. You've got to remember who they're playing. Like, Collingwood have been destructive. Collingwood have been next to unstoppable. Um you know, playing some of the best football that we've seen in a couple of years. Um, so the Dogs did really, really well at Marvel uh, to get that close. Um, the Dogs have got a lot of things that are going right, as you can see, by this, you know, margin against the, probably the best team in the competition. Um, their forward line is is working quite well at the start of the year. I was extremely worried about how they were going to go with all their tools. They've really, they've, they've basically had um, Darcy playing in the twos for most of the year, which has really um, kept them to a good sort of average height in their forward line and their back line, which I think has really helped. Their, their midfield's going quite well with English and Bontempelli especially. Where can they improve? They've got to figure out what's going on with Bailey Smith. And right, everybody's talking about Bailey Smith at the moment, but his output is extremely low. Compared to what we know he can do, like where he's at at the moment is not even close. Um, he's probably not playing in the right position. He's sort of playing half forward, which just isn't him. Get him on the ball. Get him on the wing. Just try something. Try and get his confidence back up. Or, or maybe put him even deeper forward. Play him in the forward pocket and see if he can kick a few goals. Just try something because you've got an enormously talented player there who had a rough off season and he's, he's had his personal troubles. But, you know, it, it's... Either that or he needs just a bit of time in the reserves. I don't know, but his 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 impact is minimal, especially com- compared to what he can do. So that is uh, one area of the dogs that's a little bit of a worry. Um, but other than that, they're going really, really well. They will be dangerous uh, in September. They're not on the same level uh, really as Port and Collingwood and Brisbane, um, but they're definitely in that next block down, probably with... Melbourne, I would say it's probably the and maybe Essendon after the weekend. I don't know, um, but the, yeah, the dogs are going really well. Um, Collingwood's ball movement is fucked. It's ridiculous how good it is. It's it's just when they get the ball, they they run in this wave and they move it between each other. It is so good to watch and it is so effective. Oh, it's just like that is just great football. I, I, like, I know people hate Collingwood. I don't love them, but you cannot not love how they're playing at the moment. Jesus Christ, they're good to watch. Um, and they're not even probably at their best. They're, they're, their forward mix has been a topic of discussion. David King is, you know, really enjoying hypothesizing, you know, where how many goals they're leaving out there because of the players that they're missing at the moment in my checking... Um, McStay, he's probably right. And and it's a good problem for the Pies to have. What does their best forward setup look like, especially in terms of tours? You know, Frampton's 
probably not a forward. He probably is a defender. He, so he can go down there and help Darcy out. Um, but, you know, so you've got Majacek, who's a lock. But then you've got McStay, probably a lock. Cox, where does he go? Are you playing Johnson? Like, it's a really interesting problem for Collingwood to have. Um, and it seems like no matter what they do, it turns out beautifully for them. So they're really just humming at the moment. And like I say, like I've said every week for the last three weeks, I cannot wait for round 19. It's only two weeks away now. Round 19, Port and Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval is going to be a beauty. That is going to be a fantastic game. I'm not missing that for one second. That'll be excellent. Um, Just one more thing on Collingwood before I move on. Pendlebury, breaking the all-time disposals record, career disposals record, going past halves. Um, I think it is underrated, the achievement that that is. Um, It is a serious achievement. He's played to 370, 380 games, whatever he's played. Um, An incredibly long career. Um, He's been incredibly durable. So you can see that by the number of games he's played, he hasn't missed many. Um, And just, he's he's a lot like Selwood, I think, in that he is extremely underrated. Pendlebury, as a player, as a leader, um, like external, like the general football fan, I don't think appreciates how good Pendlebury is and has been. Just when you think about when he was at his prime, which is you know very recent, he's probably not at his, in his prime anymore. But it, you know he was in his prime for a long time, and you just think about what he could do when he got the ball. He would just make everyone around him just freeze in time, and he could do what he wanted. He's, he's he, he is a wizard with the ball and he's still got plenty of skills and one of the most intelligent footballers that I think we've seen in recent times as well. So I just wanted to um, make note of the achievement uh, that is breaking the disposals record. Alrighty. Oh, here we go. Port Adelaide and Gold Coast. Let's get on to Stewie Jew. I think Gold Coast have fucked themselves. I think they've absolutely fucked themselves. Oh, what a shit show. How embarrassing. The whole... Oh, so last week, Caro, um, uh, you know, has a, you know, scoop and Stewie Jew and the Suns have to say, no, it's not true. Stewie Jew's got to defend himself. And then it turns out to 100% have been true. Um, still don't like Caro. Um, but the fact that... The fact that Stewie Jew was kept totally oblivious to the fact that his position was under heavy review. Like, he had no idea. You can tell he had no idea. You know, he he knew that he was under pressure this year to perform well, but he was, you know, he has a contract to the end of next year. They gave him an extension last year, 12 months ago. So, it's it's so bad. Like, clubs 100% have the right to sack and hire whoever they want. It's the manner in which these things are done. And it was very similar with St. Kilda last year. Extremely poorly handled. St. Kilda made Rats beg for his job. He had to work for a week begging, trying to convince um, the club to keep him. Um, And it was just really, really poorly done. And what Gold Coast has done is even worse. Just totally blindsided him, it seems. And 
it, it wasn't results-based because everyone knew they were going to lose to Port Adelaide. You know, they've only lost by five goals in the end, which is all right, in Adelaide against Port. Like, I think that's quite a good result. Um, they weren't uncompetitive in this game at all. Um, but, you know, he's, he's gone all the same. And look, six years is a long time. Probably would have wanted more in six years. But you've got to remember the state the team was in when he showed up. The salary, how many players do they have on their list? 50? 52 players or something. They were two million over their salary cap or whatever it was, and, and they'd never won more than ten games in a year. Like it was fucking shambles. And you can see that they've improved last year into this year. You can see it. Um so I think he's I think it's really stiff what they've done to him. And look, I think there will be consequences. Oh, excuse me. I think they've really stuffed themselves for a couple of reasons. Um, the players love him. And and look, th- there won't be enormous change just off the back of this, but there may be a couple of players who are important that go, I've got no respect for this club anymore. I want to go somewhere where the good people at the club are looked after. You know, like... I mean, that's what I would do. Like, if, if I was, like, because Stewie Jew's clearly a relationship builder. If I was really close with him and he was treated like this and basically just shafted, you know, I would go, nah, stuff you guys. I'm going somewhere else. Because what happens next? Like, another coach comes along, they build great relationships, and then they get fucked as well. So, no, I think they will lose a couple of players over this that they would not otherwise have lost. And like I said, clubs are allowed to be ruthless but it's the way that they do it. They could have done this a lot better and not embarrassed him and themselves and the consequences would have been minimal. And like, think about the whatever whoever the incoming coach is. What sort of security are they going to feel that they have? I mean, no coach is safe anymore. No coach or player is safe. Contracts mean nothing to clubs. Um, but like, like everyone's like, oh, Dimmer's going to get the gig. I'm sure they're going to offer it to him, but I don't know why he would want it. Why would he want it? After, like, Stuart Jew's his friend. They played in a premiership together. They're good friends, and they just screwed him. Gold Coast just screwed his friend, and then they'd be like, oh, do you want to come take his place? Like, he might end up getting the gig, but if again, if I was Dimmer, I would say, fuck you. Dimmer can go get a, a job wherever he wants. Wherever he wants. If he wants the Eagles job, now the Eagles job, that's one you'd want. That's a good job. Biggest club in the country. Extremely secure position. As co- Look at what Adam Simpson has been through in the last two years and he's kept his job because the club genuinely backs him and he's like, we're going to stick with you. As soon as like you decide that you are done, that's cool. It'll be done. But he won a premiership and now they're like, we respect you completely. If West Coast at any point fire Adam Simpson, unless this goes on and on and on for another year, then it might happen. But now if the Eagles sack him before the end of this year, I'll actually be surprised. Because if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Because they'd back him in. Their, Their understanding of the situation. They understand that it's not just the coach who controls everything. 
the coach is not the only person responsible for the wins and losses. Oh, it's and 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 like I said, it's it's very similar to what happened to Rats last year, and I didn't love how that was handled at all. Um, so yeah, I feel pretty passionate about it, and it's it's just oh, it just makes me angry. Like, if you want to sack him, that's fine. The club is absolutely entitled to do that, but he's a fucking human being who's given six years or five and a half years to the club. Deserved a lot better. Deserved a lot better. Um. Anyway, anyway, it's frustrating, and you know it's just another another interesting thing to keep an eye out for as we head to head to the uh, end of the season. I'm fucking pissed off too that St Kilda play Gold Coast this week. Like <laughs> we had Buddy's three fiftieth, which we which we won luckily. Then the week after we had Cochin's three hundredth, which we didn't win, and now we've got a, the team playing a revenge match to <laughs> or not a revenge match, an avenge match. For their coach. So St Kilda just keep fucking copping it. So who knows if we want to lose this weekend now. Just, just fuck's sake. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game. Like I said, the Suns weren't terrible. I thought they were actually okay. To go down to Adelaide and play Port at the moment is, you know, one of the least enticing tasks in the comp. Um, and yeah, they were right. They were competitive. They've been competitive in... You know, some you know some of their losses this year. They've had a couple of big ones, but you know, given given the pressure that had sort of started to mount in the last month, I thought they were quite good. Um, Port Adelaide just did what they've been doing all year. Connor Rosie kicked a seriously good goal. That dribbler from the pocket that was a really really good goal. Just just got it to kick just at the right moment to just just skip through. It was really really nice. Um, yeah, haven't got much to say about the game. I'm just gutted for Stewie Jew. I hope he gets a, a good gig somewhere else heading into next year. Alrighty, let's talk about the Saints, St Kilda and Melbourne. I went along to this one, me and Dad, and when um, Max went down in the first 15 seconds, we watched it happen. I saw him in that contest, and then suddenly he was on the ground. He was very, very upset. You could see it. Me and Dad were just like, oh dear, what's he done? And he has done his shoulder again, the same shoulder, done for the year. See you round one. Max, um, how's that for a shit hand? And then by the end of that first quarter, we were down two more players as well. So two interchange for the last three quarters. I couldn't have been more proud of what St Kilda put out. Like to, to still be in the game with 10 minutes to go, against a good team in Melbourne, only having had two interchanges after quarter time, I think he's seriously impressive. Like, compared the contrast between how I felt after last week's win to this week's loss is unbelievable. Last week's win was the most pathetic piece of shit I've ever watched. And then this week where we lost... I, I can't remember having been so proud. I was really, really proud of the boys. Like, the effort was unbelievable. Yeah, our skills still need work. Our our inside 50 um, effectiveness needs work. It's a part of the game that the club has struggled with for a decade. It is hard to get good at, but, man, just when they're under any kind of pressure, they just bomb it in. You could see at the start of the game they were trying to hit targets and they did a couple of times but <clears throat> and they did a couple of times but 
Yeah, just when we were put under any kind of pressure, and sometimes when we weren't even under pressure, just bombing it in long, and with no king there especially, we knew that Lever and May were going to do what they were going to do. Sicily's done it to us. Andrews has done it to us. Vlosten's done it to us. So it's frustrating to fall into that trap again. But like I said, couldn't be more pleased with the effort. Um, Steele played probably his best game for the year, or close to it. He's, he hasn't... You know, really played well um, since he did his was his collarbone. So that was really good to see. Uh, Marshall played probably the best game of his career against Gordon Grundy. Uh, pretty low hit-out numbers. Thinking on the other 16, uh, which isn't ideal. But he had 30 disposals. Uh, had something like 10 marks. Like, he, he was fantastic around the ground, so um, I think that was a fantastic effort from him. And Nasaya Wanganin Malira as well, who I've mentioned, you know, a lot of times on the podcast, but he's just, every week, he plays brilliantly. 33 touches on the weekend, a PB for him. He uses the ball so well. Um, he plays off half-back, and he actually can defend as well, like a lot of intercepts he takes. So, yeah, he's having a fantastic year. A lot of people... Um, you know, not really paying a lot of attention because he's not a rising star candidate because of how many games he played last year. Um, but yeah, he's he's playing brilliantly. He's he's going to be an absolute gun for a lot of years moving forward. He probably starts to transition onto the wing in the next couple of years as Brad Hill's career winds up. Um, but at the moment, off halfback, he's he's doing awesome. Um, Melbourne, oof, not convinced at all on the D's. Just yet, um, you know, given the carnage on the St Kilda bench uh, for most of the game, Melbourne should have been able to capitalise. Um, but you know, credit to the the effort and pressure that St Kilda were able to apply, even with everyone being so tired, Melbourne just that they weren't getting many inside fifties. They were able to capitalise when they did go inside fifty, um, but St Kilda dominated most of this game we just we were just butchering the ball going inside 50 and really struggling to score um but outside of that i thought we were really good and outside of um how efficient melbourne were um in being able to score i thought they were pretty poor so they they may be in fourth and they will probably finish the year in fourth um but i'm thoroughly unconvinced on where they're at at the moment they've got brisbane at the mcg this weekend huge game I will be amazed if Melbourne win. I know it's at the MCG and Brisbane famously can't win there, but the way Brisbane are going and the way Melbourne are going are poles apart. So if Melbourne can win, I, I will be shocked, honestly. Um, uh, the Petrarca move up forward, I think is a really good idea. I would still, I, I still think they need to find a conventional setup that works because when it gets to like a prelim final, they're going to find themselves needing him in the midfield, I think. Um, but, you know, for now, just so they can cement their spot in the top four, um, I think he should stay forward for a little while. Um, you know, even without Oliver in the team, their midfield should be able to hold up. They might struggle, you know, against the good teams. Like, you know, they might need him in the middle a little bit against Brisbane. Um, but his, his ability to score, even though at times he isn't very accurate, 
Um, he's such a weapon up forward, and the more time he spends there, I think the more accurate he would become. So they can pick and choose when they want to have him down there, but it is it is a weapon that they've got in their arsenal. Uh, let's do Richmond-Sydney all the way back to Thursday night, almost a week ago now. Um, really good win from Richmond. It was a you know, funny old game, bit of rain, um, but they, you know, they toughed it out. Um, Sydney are getting bullied, especially in the midfield. Really damning footage of Luke Parker on first crack on, on Sunday night, just getting shoved easily out of stoppage, stop, stoppages, stoppages by Prestia and, and Martin and the other guys in the middle um, for Richmond. So, you know, that's clearly something that Sydney will be looking to acquire is probably a bigger bodied midfielder because they, they have an excellent midfield. They're just all a little bit small and Parker, who is one of the bigger guys in there, is coming to the end of his career. You know, all their young guns are fantastic. They've got brilliant players in there, but they're all on the small side. Um, you know, hindsight's a funny thing, but they, they probably would have done well to hang on to George Hewitt if they could. He's the exact sort of player they need in there. Um, but they can go and, and find another one, I'm, I'm sure, or they can draft one if they want to. Um, you know, or maybe they, they finally decide to stick Heaney in there full-time and see if that can work. I don't know, but it, it is an area that they need uh, to look at working on in the off-season because you look at contested ball for them and just all the stats around stoppages, clearances, contested possessions, all that sort of thing, when they lose those, they lose games. And when they win, they win games. And this year, they haven't been winning it very often. You know, so a bigger bodied midfielder who's a good contested player, um, I think would be a really good thing for Sydney to look at acquiring. Richmond, as I said, really good win. Andrew McQualter's four and two now in the six games that he's coached uh, as, as interim. He's probably the leading candidate at the moment for the job. The players like him. He can continue that Richmond model from from the Premiership era because he was a part of it. They can sort of continue to be the sort of club they have been for the last six years or so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's doing a, a brilliant job. He's doing a really, really good job. Four from six is not too bad at all as an interim. And they've played some um, pretty good teams in there as well. Dusty. It, you know, a lot of people... Uh, sort of aren't noticing this because he isn't like kicking three goals and having 25 possessions like he did when he was the best player in the competition. But Dusty's very close to being back to his best. The football that he's playing at the moment is excellent. He's he's going to be very close to an All-Australian selection. He may even get in. Um, he's playing mostly as a forward. His ball use is extremely damaging. He's extremely effective when he goes into the middle. Um, at times, so he's having a really good resurgence. Um, I, I don't think that Richmond are going to be able to make the eight, especially now with Nankervis out for three weeks. That is going to hurt them. I don't know who they have in those three weeks, but it will hurt them. Um, but gee whiz, just what Dusty's doing. after the, He had a really rough couple of years with what happened with his dad and all the other stuff, and he was injured at times, and he, like you, you know, he had a rough couple of years. For him to come back and get to this level, um, I think is really impressive, and just reminds us, you know, he sort of gets, you know, he's definitely one of the best players uh, of this century, 
and I feel like we just forgot that for a couple of years there because he was an absolute superstar. Like, he was the best player in the competition, but for a short period of time. You know, he wasn't like Franklin and Ablett who were the best for a number of years. Dusty was the best, you know, for probably two or three years there. Um, but he's just reminding us that he is still an absolutely fantastic player. Goodness me, he's a good player. Um, and, and Jack Ross as well. I just wanted to mention this super sub. Got subbed on pretty early in the game when that young fella um, playing his first game did his hamstring. Kicked two goals, had 20 on disposals. So one of the better games uh, from a sub that we've seen this year. I reckon really, really good day for him. Um, alrighty, let's do Fremantle and Carlton now. Um, yeah, Frio are a basket case. They they have fallen in a big, deep hole. Um, 50, what have they lost by here? 53 points at home to, to Carlton. Now, we have got no idea whether Carlton are actually good or not. Um, at the moment, they are, for sure. Um, but gee whiz, like... Carlton going to Optus, Fremantle should have won this game, or at least been a lot closer than a nine-goal margin. My goodness. Freo won 15 games last year. 15. And this is where they're at. Like, they're a chance to finish bottom four this year, which is just crazy. Um, a lot of talk about the hit-out differential. Um it is a more startling stat than people realise. So Fremantle won the hitouts by 58, I think it was, um, but they lost every other stat that's connected to that. So scores from hitouts, hitouts to advantage, you name it, they lost them all, despite having plus 58 hitouts. That's insane. That is insane. How can there be such a disconnect between the Ruckman and the midfielders? That is so unbelievably poor. And, and, and you know, a, a lot of it can be attributed to the opposition midfield being able to read it really well, like out of the other, out of the opposition mid, um, Ruckman's hands. So Das is getting his hands to it and the likes of Cripps and Walsh and that are reading it very well, which can happen, happens quite a lot. But when you've got a difference of 58, 58 more hitouts, you should not be getting belted in all of those hit-out adjacent statistics. It's it's oh, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. So now the conversation comes in about how important are Ruckman? Should you be investing in Ruckman as Melbourne and Fremantle have done? I firmly stick by my stance that the ruck is the most important position on the ground because when you can get it right, it can change a football club and win your premiership. When you've got, like, just imagine if the connection between Sean Darcy and his midfielders was a little bit better, just a little bit better. Like, imagine being able to have the advantage of having 60 more hitouts than the other team and being able to actually get an advantage off of that. That is why the ruck is so important. I think clubs have started to put less work into that part of the game. A lot of clubs will, you know, a lot of teams like to score from their back half. So they're quite happy to, you know, um, lose a clearance, center clearance, I should say, 
um, and allow their opposition to go forward. A lot of teams are happy to intercept somewhere along the way and then score from their back half. A lot of teams will do that, or a lot of teams, uh, you know, will will count on getting it inside their own 50 at some point and then holding it in there, like a Collingwood who's a really good forward um, half intercept team, something like that. But if you have a dominant Ruckman who can also, you know, not only get hit outs, but just put it on a platter for the midfielders around him, I think you've got something special there. Like, how can people say that the position of Ruckman is overrated when we saw Gorn do what he did in 2021, especially in that prelim final. Like, I know the, the reason that he helped them win that game was not necessarily his hit-out work, but he was doing that on top of, what, he kicked six goals in that game. So, Ruckman certainly have the ability to have an enormous impact on games in more ways than one. So, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly never think that the the ruck position is overrated because yeah, just, just when you can get it right, it can be game changing. It really can. Um, I went and saw the new mission impossible movie the other day. And I think Carlton have been sort of, um, taking a page out of the IMF's book. They've been wearing masks. There's, there's other people out there in those Carlton jumpers. And there was six weeks ago, (laughs) like the football that they're playing the difference has been unbelievable. They're a completely different team than they were through the middle part of the year. Those six games in a row that they lost, to what they are now, their, their ball movement, their ability to score, their, their intercept defending, their, oh, they're just doing everything so well. Um, they're going to have a real challenge with Port Adelaide. I think it's a marvel this weekend. That'll be a real test for them, but... God, the football they're playing, it would be so frustrating. I think I said this last week. So frustrating for their fans, knowing that this is what they can do and they just didn't do it for the entire first half of the year. So it's pretty disappointing in that aspect. But if they can use this uh, current form to sort of, you know, launch into next year, um, I think that'd be really good for them. Yeah, they've been extremely impressive. And it's been really good to see Walsh really grow into the season. He started off pretty quiet. He was injured and he came in and wasn't really impacting. But as the team has turned its form around, seeing his form turn around and seeing him play at his best, like we, we know what Paddy can do at his best and Kerno and, you know, the other stars in the team can do at their best. But Walsh at his best is another really special young player. And it's just exciting to see him, you know, play so well, knowing he's got so much football ahead of him. Um... Let's do let's do Geelong and North Melbourne now. Um, really average <laughs> average game. Um, I don't like that away strip for North Melbourne. Some people have said they do like it. It's it's just too much blue. It's too much. It's just too much of that royal blue. It's a bit much for me. I don't think it's a look. I don't really think it's a look at all. Um, Zach Tui broke the the game's record for an Irish-born player. He went past Jim Steins over the weekend. It's it's a huge achievement. It's a huge achievement um, for someone who didn't grow up with the game to to come over here and 
And to do what he's done, to be such a fantastic player for such a long time for two clubs, premiership player, um, and to be such just a, a great bloke. He's a fantastic guy, enormously entertaining when he gets interviewed. Um, the, 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 the audio footage of him from the weekend was really funny. Like, you know, he, he's, he's a really funny guy. Um, and he deserves it enormously. And, and it doesn't take away at all from Jim's legacy. And I think Jim would be thrilled there's another Irish player who's who's going to leave such a mark on the game. So well done, Zach Tui. Another Geelong player I want to mention. Obviously, Geelong extremely dominant in this game. They didn't have to work too hard to beat North. And North is struggling pretty hard at the moment. Brian Myers. Everyone knows he's the best kick inside 50 in the competition. Um, played one of the best games of his career on the weekend. 32 touches. I think there was a PB. Is he in the All-Australian discussion? If, if you Like, his numbers on their own aren't super sexy, right? He doesn't kick a lot of goals for a forward. In, in fact, for a forward, he hardly hits the scoreboard at all. But his ability to execute the most difficult kick in our game and the most important kick in our game shouldn't be underrated. I don't think he makes the All-Australian side, but he's got to be in serious consideration because of what he can do with the ball. Like, if, if you can't kick inside 50 effectively, how are you ever going to score? So to have a player like him in, in your team is pretty special. So he's... Excuse me. I think he really needs to be recognised in some way at the end of this year. Um, North Melbourne, they're a, they're a mess defensively that they are a disaster at the moment I don't know what's going on with Clarkson you know I thought he was coming back pretty soon now it might be two or three weeks away we don't know what's going on um yeah they're, they're a real mess like this year has been a real write-off like they won their first two games and now they've lost what 14 in a row so it's 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 really not good I don't know if they just say to Clarko, just take the rest of the year off so they can sort of get the specter of him out of there. Um, but yeah, God, it just they're a disaster. Like to be down 41 points at quarter time, like it is hard to go to Geelong. It's hard to go down the highway and do well at all, let alone win. Um, so I don't think anyone expected them to do anything fantastic, but they're getting just ripped apart as much as West Coast are. Now, like if West Coast weren't doing what they're doing, the spotlight would be heavily on North Melbourne. Like, a lot of people expected them to improve a little bit this year, but they just haven't at all. They they got all manner of things that are going wrong. One thing that was positive for them out of the weekend was Cooper Harvey. So, son of the great Brent, um, made his debut. Five contested marks in, in his first game is a very, very good effort. I believe he kicked a goal. So, you know, it's a pretty good game from the son of, you know, a, a future Hall of Famer. Um, he might already be a Hall of Famer. How long since he retired? No, he won't be a Hall of Famer yet. He definitely will be um, if he's not already. So, yeah, that's that's a positive at least for North Melbourne out of this game. Um, but, yeah, they've got to try and salvage something out of the last seven games this year because, yeah, they're struggling as bad as West Coast are at the moment, and they don't have the injuries that West Coast do, except for Griffin Logue, he's done his ACL, as you guys know. I think ACLs are just cruel. I think you can't get you know much worse luck than having an ACL. It's just, you can do it just changing direction, and then you 
12 months is gone from your career. So I think that's really brutal and unlucky uh, for him. But, you know, it, it happens and North have got to adjust and, and you know, just, just be better. They just have to be better. I feel really bad for Rats um, that he's been saddled with this responsibility maybe for the rest of the year. Who knows? Um, but he's doing his best. That's for sure. And then the last game uh, that I'll touch on for the week GWS and Hawthorne, really, really good game. Um, I didn't expect Hawthorne to be as competitive up in Sydney as they were. Um, yeah, they were fantastic. I don't think the margin was ever more than three goals. So, you know, it's a pretty entertaining game. If you ask me, Hawthorne can definitely play. They're, they're definitely, you know, of the three teams struggling down the bottom, they are the best by a long way. Um, and yeah, they, they did really well to be as close as they were in this game, and the Giants had to work for their win. They definitely had to. Um, Sam Taylor and Jack Buckley are having fantastic years. Taylor, um, in particular, he missed a lot of footy, so I don't know if he makes the All-Australian side, but you know everyone knows what his one-on-one numbers are like. Buckley's numbers one-on-one are also fantastic. So you know, the two of them is their big, big boys down back. Um the future of that back line is bright. If they can hold on to the two of them, you can build a back line around them no matter what else happens. So, um, you know, they're just, they're just two I wanted to mention. Oh, fuck me, that are going really well. Oh, I'm nearly done. Oof. Oh, man. Oh, struggle street with this cold. Um, I love watching the Giants play. I love the way they move the ball. They take the game on. They're entertaining. They got really talented players. Even their young players are super talented. Well, you compare where they're at to where Gold Coast are at. Gold Coast have been a disaster from day one. They've been close to being a good team a couple of times. Um, all it took the first time they were nearly there was for Ablett to get injured, and then they weren't a good team anymore. This time around, they're pretty close, but now they've sacked their coach. So they're an absolute basket case. Would you compare them to the Giants, who came in a year later? Um, Giants have been to the top. They played in a grand final. They didn't win one, but they played in one. Um, they, they sort of bottomed out, I guess you would say, last year. New coach, and now they're very quickly on their way back up the ladder, playing really good footy again. So I'd certainly much rather be a Giants fan than a Suns fan at the moment. Um just one one thing from this game that just drives everybody crazy. Will Day in the goal square. So he gets that free kick or the mark or whatever that was paid in the goal square. He takes a couple of steps back heading towards the mark. And he's like, oh, I'm going to snap around and kick this goal. Players that do this drive everyone fucking mad. Jack Higgins does it every now and then. Just go back and kick the goal normally. I hate this obsession with snapping around the body when you don't have to. Stop it. Just stop it. I'm sure he'll never do it again now because it's pretty embarrassing to miss from 10 metres out and, and in such an arrogant way as well. Um, but yeah, God, it just shits me when players do that. And like, ugh. especially when like it was a close-ish game, like he kicks that goal, who knows what happens? You know, it would have been a, a much closer game. Um so yeah, just it just it reminds me of the couple of times that I've seen Jack Higgins do it, and it just irks me to no end. So you know, to all forwards or anyone in that position, just go back and kick a fucking drop punt for God's sake. Alrighty, 
before I finish up, before my fucking voice gives out, my big call. I said at the start of the podcast it was going to be to do with Essendon. My big call for this week, Essendon are going to win a final this year. That's my big call. It's been, you know, 50,000 years or whatever since they've won a final. Um, 2001? What? No. 2002? I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been 20 years since Essendon have won a final. Very, very long time. This will be the year. You look at the way they're playing. You look at the way they're improving. The way they played against another top eight team, a good top eight team, the other day, um, they will win a final this year. If, uh, let's try and like hypothesize. I mean, assuming the eight stays as it is, They'll either play Bulldogs, St Kilda, or Geelong. They could also end up playing Adelaide. They could end up playing the Giants. Um, there's, a, there's a few other possibilities floating around. Um, as long as they don't have to... No, they wouldn't play Geelong in Geelong. Against any of those teams, it'd be the MCG. So I, I would back them in, especially now they've beaten Adelaide. I would back them in to beat any of those teams. The Dogs are probably the most difficult. Um, but the dogs are more used to playing at Marvel than they are at the MCG. So Essendon should really be winning a final this year. How they would go in week two, I don't know. Um, but just for them to win one final this year, I think would be a huge step forward and would absolutely be a tick um, on their report card for this year. Alrighty, thanks so much for suffering through that with me, guys. I am My nose is fucking blocked as. My throat keeps drying up. I'm on Struggle Street big time, but I got through it. Hope it didn't sound too bad. Um, I appreciate you sticking with me. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. Listen to my rustling papers every week. Um, Leave a review. Tell your friends. And I will see you guys next time. Bye.